Welcome one and all to the latest, greatest episode of the DC Comics News Podcast. I'm Steve, and with me are three of the greatest human beings ever to set foot on this planet or any other. First of all, it's Brad, Dolce and Gabbana, Feliki. Brad, how are you today, brother? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, how are you guys doing? We're living and freezing and all sunning, depending if you're Damien or Seth or which coast you're on. But we're, we're here. We're here. Speaking of, next on the list, Damien's back for the second week running. One Batman, how are you? Down under, down under in Australia. G'day, mate. I'm good, good, and I'm pumped to do a second podcast in a row, Everything DC, with all my loved ones. So thank you. And then back from the wilderness almost exactly a year since we last spoke on this show is smooth seth official comic book writer singleton dude it's so lovely to see you and hear you (laughs) thank you it is so great to be back and it has been so long thank you for that reminder on the timeline so great to see everyone and yes damien loved ones so apt so so perfect for this group uh, when you come in here, you know you're amongst loved ones, so you know feel the love, embrace, enjoy, and then get some fashion advice from Brad because yeah. look good in the process, right? So happy yeah. to be here, Steve. <laughs> we are family. I've got all my nerdizzles with me. So let's talk DC Comics news, which, funnily enough, is the name of the show. Who knew? Uh, we'll start with the movies, and first of all, the news is, and of course it has. The Batman, Matt Reeves, epic, has received four, four BAFTA nominations. Brad, you've got to be hyped, right? Yeah, I am, because we all agreed that the Batman's great. Uh, and I, I really love that it got picked up for, uh, uh, nominated, sorry, for production design and for cinematography. Two things that I think this film really excels at. And... Uh, I, I think that this is going to be a shoe-in when the Oscar nominations get announced on Tuesday for special effects. But anyway, I would love to see it also uh, in the cinematography. So maybe this is kind of a hint of that to come. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled, and I think that the film deserves all the awards. Uh, yeah, the production design was just absolutely incredible. So were the effects. I mean, so was the film in general. Uh, I'd be totally okay if it was uh, nominated for the best film. Uh, Seth, what about you? I'm very pleased with the examples you pointed out, starting with cinematography. I, I, I really felt that they, they, they framed the world so well with the way that they shot it. You know, they, they understood exactly what the tone they wanted to capture. I can say it was a, just about two weeks ago that I threw the movie on again. I think it's my third or fourth time watching it. And I have it stopped right before the final about 55 minutes because I, I know what I want to sit down and sort of enjoy that all the way through. And while I was watching it, I was just reminded of how well done it was, how well captured it was. And that once it sets the tone in the beginning, it carries it so well through. So I agree with you. I really hope the cinematography is one. I agree that the visual effects were so well stylized. Um, they, they, they felt so thought out as much so as the details in the costume. So I feel like that should be a shoe in, but the cinematography would really top it. It would, it would remind everyone just how brilliant this movie was. And I mean, when it comes to certain projects, I feel like people can enjoy all the reminders they can get. And the others, I feel like they have just as good of an opportunity as you pointed out with the production design. 
I don't think I could have phrased the argument as well, but <laughs> I completely agree with it. And I, I think if they could get a sweep on their four categories, that would be quite the lovely treat. Damien, how about you? What were your thoughts, Marvin? Yeah, look, I've agreed with the majority of what the both of you have said. Like, I remember, you know, I've watched the film twice. Uh, well, yeah, but twice now I've watched the film, and it's that they they ground the story so well, and and you, it's kind of like a vacuum. You get drawn into Gotham City almost immediately. So, as far as production design is concerned, cinematography. Um, I was just memorized by what that world, how they created that world and, and the characters within that world. Um, so I, I think they did extremely well. And as for makeup and hair and what Oswald Cobblepot looked like and the fact that we couldn't even tell it was Colin Farrell and, and just all the characters as an extension to, to him, um, I'd be surprised if they didn't win a couple of these awards. So um, I was very, very pleased. And if the other movies that come are a true extension of what was created with the first one. Um, I think we're in for a treat. Yeah, couldn't agree more with all of you. I mean, I'm glad you threw in the uh, makeup because I would have put that film in for Colin Farrell alone for that award too. Plus, I'm the sound design. I mean, the Batmobile was a living thing in that film. I think the sound design should have got a shout and the soundtrack. The music was absolutely phenomenal. But hey... I'll take four nominations for The Batman, a comic book movie about my favorite comic book character. Yeah, sign me up. And like Brad said, uh, the BAFTAs and the Globes are a really good indicator of where things going to go for the Oscars. Um, the British Academy, that's what the BAFTAs is. So, uh, And it's just lovely that it got a shout out for the BAFTAs because it was largely made here with a predominantly British cast. So, yeah, I'm uh, very, very happy and very, very proud. So. Awesome. And speaking of that self-same movie, topic number two is uh, what we were talking about last week, Damien and Brad. James Gunn is handling the DC universe as a whole, but Matt Reeves is still well in charge of this new Batman universe. I'm happy. Brad, what about you, sir? Yeah, I think at this stage, I'm more excited for this than the James Gunn. DC Universe, and like we discussed last week, I'm a huge James Gunn fan, but still, I think I think there's some really important, cool things here, I, and I'm a little bit hesitant to get too excited because Warner Brothers hasn't had the best track record with uh, going through on projects, but I love the fact that as of now, we're still getting the Penguin series, and we're still getting the um, the Gotham PD series, which... I kind of expected to be on the chopping block, but I'm glad to see that's still around and the Arkham series. So, uh, you know, at, at the heart of it, I'm just glad that things are moving along with these series. And I think that I think that Matt Reeves did a great job with the world building in the film, that there's plenty of uh, space for these kind of storytellings. And it could be even uh, a different type of Gotham than we've seen. And that's saying a lot, because at this point, we've seen so many versions of Gotham and the Batman mythos, but this could be a really interesting take on it. Uh, Seth, what about you? I'm interested. I'm really, I'm curious more than anything, because I, I feel that this is a, this is maybe an approach that DC is taking with filmmakers who have visions to do multi-scale projects like this. Clearly that's the, the approach they're following with gun right now. And also now with Matt Reeves, it it makes me wonder about 
other examples that we've seen. I mean, when I think about the Nolan example, that was that was a director who knew he wanted a trilogy, how he was going to tell it. And the success gave him all the authority after the first movie and second, certainly by the second. They wanted more, actually, probably after the third. But this ability for them to to have all of that kind of in a self-contained way, I think it might almost hedge it from the interference that you might get from outside influences, upper management and things like that, with the idea being that if you've got four kind of fires going, the odds of two or three lasting compared to everything into one pot. I'm not sure if there's other layers to it as well, but that's my original thinking when I when I hear those ideas. It's like, okay, so we have one visionary doing one part with the universe, another doing something else completely. Is that maybe part of the recipe for their future success? Damien, how am I doing? Yeah, look, again, I think, um, yeah, look, I agree with what you're saying there. I, 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 I'm not sure I fully trust James Gunn as yet. Me personally, we talked a little bit about it last week on the podcast. I, I've, I'm not totally convinced with what James Gunn has produced and put on the big screen so far. So, yeah, yet. We've got the Batman. We've got this universe, this this world that Matt Reeves has created, and I'm okay with um, James Gunn creating this DC universe. And I, like you, Seth, I am I am very curious about what this DC universe is going to look like, and at what point the characters are going to be set in the universe. I'm okay with. I hope he doesn't get too involved with what Matt Reeves is 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 planning. So leave the Batman alone on the side, and that's kind of like a subset to the DC universe that's going on over here. I'm okay for the two to coexist. What I'm not okay with is we're three, four years down the track, they're making a third Batman movie, and then all of a sudden um, James Gunn is ready to show us his Batman in the DC universe, and then we have two in parallel, and I'm not okay with that because I think it dilutes what is probably Warner Brothers' premium product in Batman. So they paid the big bucks. I'm sure they're working out the intricacies around how the both worlds can exist, but they need to be very careful with what they do here because they have created a great version of Batman and a great universe. And um, I think we're all a little bit nervous with Warner Brothers track record of getting too involved in things. Um, The execs can manage the finances and manage the organization, leave the storytelling to the professionals and don't get involved. If you're an executive at Warner brothers, set at the board table, shut up and don't get involved. You hide people for a reason. Leave it alone. <laughs> Execs just throw money at the projects and let the artists handle the art. Correct. I could not have said it better myself. Beautiful. Um, Good news is, though, that this news, according to the article at least, shows that Matt Reeves has autonomy. And the film he produced and released last year in The Batman clearly shows that. Because it was unlike any other Batman before it. We said it last week, the fact that Batman's on screen for 80% of the film for a start. So, yeah, more of the same, please. And if that's the way they're moving forward. I am one very happy nerd. So, bring it on, Batman 2. I'll be there at the theatre, eating my popcorn and smiling. Definitely. Speaking of smiling, Aquaman, Jason Momoa says, big news is imminent and he does have a future in the DC universe. 
Again, this is a happy fella. Brad, are you joining me in the happy stakes? Uh, I could be. I just want to know a little more. Um, I would like him. I hope it's more Aquaman. There's a lot of rumors going around about Lobo, and I agree that he would make a good Lobo. I just not a huge particular fan of the character. And really, I, I don't. I mean, I would go and see the movie, but I really don't care if we see a live action Lobo or not. So I, I, I'd much rather him stay as Aquaman. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. I just want to know more, and I hope it's Aquaman and not Lobo. Uh, Seth, what about you? You raised my biggest concern with the whole thing I was reading. As I was going through, I was like, so he's excited, and that's great, and that's it. We're just excited. And I like it when he's excited, and I'm glad that he's excited about something at DC. What the thing is is not evident at all <laughs> and it's hard for me to weigh in beyond that point I, I agree with all the points that you brought up we've had plenty of discussions in the past about lobo plug go back and listen to previous episodes you might really enjoy some great things you've discovered and during that time you can imagine our faces as you now get to see them as you didn't then with that in mind uh <laughs> with that in mind i I'm happy that Momoa is staying. I think he's one of those great characters. He he can do a lot. I, I would love him to play a, a lot of different characters. Does he need to play Lobo? I don't think so. More Aquaman? Definitely. Other potential stories with Aquaman and old man Aquaman? I don't know. But I, I do. I like the fact that he's excited. Other than that, uh, like you said, more please. Details. You know, inquiring minds, they want to know stuff like this. Damien, how about you? Did you did you pick up some sort of clue I didn't? Did you like, you know, perception grasp? I saw a video. I saw an interview with him yesterday that the most recent interview that he 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 did. And there was a thought. It wasn't long. It was like a 40 second clip. And he did make a comment at the end of that video while he was well, at the end of the interview while he was laughing, and he was saying that no one else is going to play Aquaman. But he kind of said it in a very snarky, kind of comical way, and then he made a comment about other characters. So I kind of interpreted that as there's going to be continuity with Aquaman and 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 Jason Momoa playing Aquaman, and if that is actually what's going to transpire, because for me. The actors can say, I'm going to be this character forever, but I don't trust Warner Brothers. So I, I took it with a grain of salt. <laughs> we all saw what happened with Henry, right? And I'm still sad and upset because of that. <laughs> but um, I'm happy for him to be Aquaman. If we're going to have continuity with some great characters and great actors, he's got such, he's built such a great persona of Aquaman. So, I, I, and we need continuity. So if he's going to do that and focus on that character and that whole world, um, that is. Uh, that would be amazing. One thing they haven't done before is have one actor play two characters in parallel, like in a, in a universe. So if he is going to play Lobo or play someone else, that's going to be very strange. And he's going to want to do it really well because otherwise we're going to be seeing Aquaman doing something different and that's going to look very odd. So maybe the flash is involved somehow. We cross different timelines and there is some alternate, persona of aquaman maybe it's his double ganger and he's an aquaman that's off the charts <laughs> and 
And we're like, whoa, what's happening here? Maybe it's something super creative like that. I don't know. Um, but I'm very happy with Jason Momoa and, and the product that he's built. He's a badass Aquaman. And Aquaman needs some love in the, in the, in the universe. You know, traditionally, I don't think he's been as popular as, as, as the other characters. So I love what Jason's doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. I could not agree more with everything all of you have just said. He is our Aquaman, much like Gal Gadot's our Wonder Woman. And sadly, uh, Henry Cavill was our Superman. But hey, um, I love your thinking, though, Damien. Multiple, multiple verse, multiverse version of Aquaman. Hmm, I like it. Does that mean he's going to shave and dye his hair blonde? What? And look like the comic book Aquaman? Even Matt B. Lloyd might be happy with that. Who knows? The world is strange. But it leads me brilliantly on, well done, Damien, thank you for that, to uh, multiverse alternate versions of characters. And Ezra Miller isn't just two flashes in the Flash, he's also the Dark Flash. And uh, looking forward to Seth's opinion on this one, being our resident Flash expert. So we'll uh, we'll go with you first, actually, Seth, on this subject, um, as our Flash fan numero uno. <laughs> I appreciate that. I... I'm excited for all the possibilities that this could offer. I mean, I can understand the immediate direction to the Black Flash. I would like to see a little bit more about, you know, potentially a different take, an original take, something that can expand on what we've already seen. I think that's when usually media uh, excels at taking these printed stories that we understand and know so well, and then just show us something we didn't see before. I mean, I think that's been the gift in some of the most recent projects. And if we can do that again with this, I also like the idea of the description in the article of it being something of a, um, I don't know, like a mash together Batman suit, you know, something that sounds a little bit fun as though there's a moment in the story where he's like, my flash suit is shot. Give me, I'm going to cobble together the best Kevlar pieces of your Batman suit and make something into a flash suit. That's sort of a, a fun makeshift idea or that they, you know, put together while he's designing a new suit. Those are some fun story implications to consider. I do like also though, the, uh, the potential for the complexity of seeing a black flash in a movie form where you can see uh, a little bit more expensive technology at play. The TV show did a lovely job of, you know, it's best, but there's limits to how much they can afford to spend representing that showing uh, again, that layer of complexity and a little bit more that we didn't get to see. And we can only kind of imagine through comics. That would be a, a fun detail that might really make the movie stand out. And, I think could lead to the Black Flash being a returning character, a returning nemesis. Who could say? Um, I haven't had a chance to pass it to Brad yet this time around. So, Brad, what are your thoughts, my friend? Uh, man, this story seems like it's going to be bonkers. Between the Batman stuff, now we have the Black Flash. I, I just really kind of can't wait to see what we're going to get. Uh, I, I know, and I don't want to don't want to get into it, but I know the problems that that, or I should say, the problematic things that are around Ezra and Miller. But it still makes me. I just I can't wait to see what this what the story is. I can't wait to see some footage because I just think it's going to be completely uh, insane. And I and I look forward to that. 
and the crazier it gets, the more I like it. It seems like it's almost on like some Dark Knight Metals level craziness. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Damien, what about you? I'll tell you what, I, I'm I'm super excited for this Flash movie. I, there's so many... I've, I've heard that they're going to strategically use this movie to, to, to create potentially this new DC universe that, that James Gunn's creating, right? So... With that, I hope they haven't. Uh, I hope they haven't altered the original story too much. But when we talk about the Dark Flash, look, it could possibly be an extension, maybe to the nightmare sequence that Bruce Wayne, Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne, Batman, had interpreted and saw in Zack Snyder's Justice League. It could be some type of an extension of that, and we've got some. We've got dark. We've got Dark Flash there that has done some altered something else and and has and there's a confrontation with barry allen if if it's something like that i I would be at the edge of my seat um because there's so much that they can do with that and take the universe in so many different different directions um and 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 maybe there is some type of interaction there with with michael keaton's batman because i'm super excited on how that 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 role is going to and that character is going to intersect with the story here but um I'm super pumped for this. I think this film has so much has potential to be great. So um, I'm hanging on. I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds like, like like Brad said, it's getting crazier and crazier. I mean, at first we thought we were just going to get like a flashpoint type of scenario, but it's sounding more like a flashpoint crisis on Infinite Earths, and now possibly yeah, metal throw in as well. And I love what you said, Seth. That obviously Black Flash in the comics was a big deal uh, and the way his powers work and the fact that stealing speed from other speedsters and all that kind of thing that could throw real real curveballs into the storytelling for the film so yeah i am excited as hell i mean ezra miller's insanity aside um the guy can act he was brilliant as the flash and everything he's been in and if he can calm down and behave himself Maybe he's still got a future in the franchise. So, yeah, dying to see what happens in this movie. Really, really counting the days now. We 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 need this to hit a reset button on the DC movie universe. Now, from the past to alternate timelines to the 31st century and the Legion of Superheroes. Damien, you said it last week. Something people cannot complain about is the DC animated movies. And this latest clip for the Legion with Supergirl and Superman. Again, DC, take my money. Can't wait to see this film. Brad, your thoughts, my friend. Yeah, this looks good. Um, You know, the quality of DC animated movie has been at a high bar. And it seems like it never goes down. It seems like they always deliver. And I like the idea of uh, Legion of Superhero movies that has a lot of Supergirl in it. I think that's uh, an interesting twist. Um, and from a flicky fashions perspective, I like what I see with the character designs. So, uh, yeah, I I think this is going to be another one of those get it on Blu-ray, add it to your collection type of deals as soon as it comes out. Uh, Seth, what about you? <laughs> get it. Add it. Follow Brad's advice. Uh, fashion to physical media collection. He knows his stuff. He's going to steer you in the right direction. I love the clip. I especially love the fact that 
there's always been a great tension between Kara and Clark, you know, Kal-El. They, they, <laughs> they have such an interesting dynamic starting from their, you know, beginning points in their lives to this transition of him becoming the older and her the younger, his adapting to, to the world and, and her sort of needing to rely on him to a degree, while also just wanting to trust her instincts. She was already much more of a fully formed person before her journey. She wants to continue as she knows things. And I think that's a great tension to play with. I love that sort of using as not quite a solution, but an interesting equation is having them go to the future to um, understand the value of what they're doing in regards to history, which I think can be a great context for asking yourself, like, you know, if you're in a moment, it's easy to think about acting in the moment. But when you think about how you want to be remembered in that moment, you know, um, for those of you who have kids, I'm sure that's something that you'll pause before you act one way because you think to yourself, I'm going to see history repeated based on what I demonstrate in front of those around me. Superman has that same sort of uh, role model quality, especially for Kara, showing her the way he wants to see the best come out of her. And he believes that if she understands the importance of them through history, through the context of the Legion, that's a great that's a great moment to explore. And also just more Legion. I loved when they came out with the Legion stories in the 90s and the Legionnaires. I, I gobbled that stuff up. And then there was this period where there wasn't. And then there was a recent Legion series, which <clears throat> there have been comments on and things about it, which I tried to enjoy and could not simply because this I will. Brad, you pointed out the quality of DC animation as we're going to be talking about. Stay tuned for the next one story, too. It, it's it's unmatchable. I, I think, actually, if you really... So here's what I love hearing, and I've told this story enough times and I don't care, but Kevin Feige will, before every Marvel movie, take the studio crew, everybody, to watch Superman 78, and then afterwards say, that's what we're aiming for. We want that quality every time. I say if you want to do a DC project, you show them the current library of animated films and you say that. That's what we want to get every time out of our live action. That's that's my little <laughs> rant. Damien, you take my friend. Seth, I love that story. I actually, actually didn't know that about the Marvel films. Um, no, you articulated it quite well. Um, I've always been a huge fan of the DC animated films. I think I said it last week on the podcast. Like I brought all the DC animated films over the last, you know, fifteen or so years. I had them all on Blu-ray. Then we went to streaming, and I re-brought them again on on Apple, and I've got them on my iPad ready to go. Um, and you're right. I think if they're gonna, um, and in particular with 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 Legion of Superheroes here, I've always appreciated the relationship between Superman and, and, and Supergirl. And I think the, 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 the mentorship that he has to offer to her, it really humanizes these perfect characters. And for me, I've, I've personally, as a DC fan, I've always related to Batman and to Green Arrow because they're humans and because they're, 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 um, they're not bulletproof and, and they're quite vulnerable. So and this shows a level of vulnerability in the character for Supergirl and, and, and I really love that relationship between, between the two of them. And for me, it really humanizes them. So I'm expecting great things out of this animated film, like the majority of the others. And Seth, your point about we're creating a live action DC film. That's what we should be aiming for. That the, the animated films are the blueprint. Why not? There's so many amazing DC animated films, so many, uh, and the alternate versions of the characters and how they bring them together. Um, I, I, I totally agree, dude. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Let's start a petition. Let's start it here and now. 
will take over. Let's do it. <laughs> Warner Brothers, if you're listening, the hive mind is coming for you. We're Absolutely. here to help. Damn straight. Um, yeah, Kara and Kalel. I mean, cousins. She was sent to Earth to look after him, but got lost in time. She gets to Earth. He's lived his entire life as a human being, so knows what it's like to be a human being, to have a secret identity, to save the world. And she comes to Earth as a confused teenager. I mean, come on. Yes, they're bulletproof. Yes, they're invulnerable. But anyone who says that these characters, because of that, are boring, needs to read more comics. And that's my whole point. The DC animated movies embrace the universe they they stem from they embrace the comic books they embrace the brilliant relationships between these characters and seth dude say it a million times shout it from the rooftops yes dc films base your blueprint base your storytelling on the animated movies and the comics first forget thinking about making bubblegum fun movies tell great stories with great characters, and you will not go wrong. And no bubble gum here. Make them dark. Damn straight. Make them yes. Just real. Make them dumb. real. Make them real. Living totally human problems, no matter how powerful they are, will make the stories fascinating. And that clip shows it. Welcome to the 31st century, Kara. Uh, I hope you enjoy your stay. Though I doubt it, because villains and aliens and all that. But hey... Speaking of villains and aliens and all that, hey, as Seth so beautifully laid the foundations, the doom that came to Gotham is coming to home video. <gasps> Brad Cthulhu awaits. Yeah. Can the world ever have enough Batman? I don't think so. Um, I, I do admit that uh, I have not read this story that it's based on, but it really makes me want to get out there and pick it up. Uh, seems fascinating and as far as the Lovecraftian angle to the whole thing I think that Gotham City lends itself perfectly to a Lovecraftian story um, you know it reminds me of um, you know the Yellow King the grim city of Carcosa which was brought up in True Detective it's not Lovecraft but it's definitely Lovecraftian and I kind of feel that kind of um that kind of feel through the whole city of Gotham. And I think, I think it's a perfect, um, perfect Avenue. And like we said already, the DC animated movies are always so on point that this is, this is probably going to be just another one of those great ones to put on your Blu-ray shelf as part of your collection. Uh, Seth, what about you? Yeah. I love the fact that we have a continuance of the tone from Soul of the Dragon, which I thought was, you know, just a really beautiful example of what we were just talking about. It's a wonderfully stylized movie. It's It's got so many great additions to it as well. The shorts that go with it are just they're they're timeless. That's the best part. Yeah, you know, they're captured within an era, but go and watch them and they feel that that wonderful quality of like you, you can watch this at any given moment. Carrying that same sort of feeling to something that, I mean, when you think of Lovecraftian, you think of, okay, let's warp some time, let's warp some reality. You know? <laughs> uh, if you saw the the HBO Max, uh, Lovecraft County, my goodness, you got to see some some warping of reality and understanding, especially set in a time that's not usually chosen for 
such wonderful, you know, examples of how wild the world can get and that it can occur at any time, not just in our present. Um, with all of that in mind, I also agree with Batman and Gotham. I, I think of the uh, Night of the Monsters storyline. You know, I think of that whole great idea, right, of how we've seen monsters giant size attack Gotham, but they were brought to life through chemical manipulation. Now we have this supernatural quality. So why not see how Batman handles supernatural? And I love when Bats breaks out these little trinkets, these little toys, those wonderful toys that he gets his hands on, right? And suddenly you're like, hold on. Did he just basically, like, weaponize something of Dr. Fate's? Like, I feel like at some point he gets a hold of Fate's helmet and he's like, so... Let's talk about making this thing into like a shield or a spear or something more effective, you know, something like a gauntlet. Who knows? But I feel that when he does, suddenly you're like, and that is how Batman punched a demon or a ghost. Or So I love those moments where you get to see him break out skills like that. I know that there are some bat aficionados who can follow up after me and perhaps give us some great text or media examples of that. I know what I've seen and loved. With that, it, it seems like we can continue to enjoy, like you said, Brad, all the Batman we can digest, chew carefully, drink some water in between, but also um, how it is that we can continue to expand just how many places Batman can still just kick butt every given chance he wants. Like, <laughs> what's not to love about that, Damien? Oh, there's a lot of great more I can add to that, Seth. That was that was pretty comprehensive. But for me, you know, being the biggest Batman fan in Australia, um, give me more Batman, absolutely. Um, I didn't mind David uh, Gantioli as Batman in uh, Batman: Soul of the Dragon. So if we're you know extending on that, and we're getting again, we're getting a little bit more, in bit, bit more continuity in the persona and the bringing the animated Batman to, to life. I'm a fan of that. Um, I'm, I didn't read the comic books behind this story, but you know, the clip, I think the clip looks fantastic. I'm obsessed with how Batman presents himself, the alternate bat suits, the persona that he puts on and the alternate versions of, of, of what Bruce Wayne has to offer as a, as a dark Knight. Um, and, um, you know, I've seen plenty of memes on the internet about Batman not giving an F and just punching aliens in the face. It's just fantastic. It's so it's so good. So the fact that he can weaponize different things and just stand toe to toe with something that is not from this planet because he wants to protect Gotham, um, I'm I'm all for that. But um, I always get excited when I know there's a DC animated film coming because they've they've got such a good track record. So uh, sign me up. This will be another movie that I will buy. Wonderful. And the, the the clip, the clip, the article itself, along with the clip, says a beautiful thing that the Batman just lends himself to every kind of storytelling. The one complaint I hear from fans about the DC universe is why is there so much Batman? Well, I'm of the mind that as long as it's good, just give me more Batman. If they start churning out rubbish, then I'll be worried. But so far, it shows no ending because. He, and I've said it a million times, guys, you'll back me up. This character just seems to draw the best writers, the best artists, the best imagination. And while that keeps happening, then sign me up. I mean, Lovecraft, the Cthulhu Mythos, Gotham in Flames, Demons, Monsters, Etrigan, Jason Blood. 
what's not to like uh do i want to see this film um do i want to breathe do i like air do i like food do i like talking to my friends every week on the dc comics news podcast yes do i want to see the doom that comes to gotham yes why mike mignola the guy who wrote the comic book uh hellboy enough said that's all i need to say on the matter now from the big screen we go to the little screen and let's talk tv and streaming beginning with the gotham knights no relation to the video game they keep saying that but batman is still dead and lots of teenagers are saving the world brad what do you make of the latest clip from this new tv show i liked it better than the first trailer i think we get a clear picture of the characters i'm not a hundred percent sold on it yet um but I, I still think this is also a little bit of that is coming from uh, being a little gun shy and bitter about what we've seen. It's like I'm expecting even if this show is great, we're only going to get it for a season. We talked about Naomi last week and things like that. You know, I just so my fingers crossed that it is good enough to get a second season. Um, the story is compelling, even though it is it's not connected to the video game. It is a similar storyline to the video game with, with uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman being dead. Um, but I have, um, I, I, I want to see it succeed and I, I will be watching it. Uh, I just, and I think we get, I think I'm liking the characters more after this clip. I think the Joker's daughter is going to be an interesting character going forward. So uh, I'm there for it with, uh, fingers crossed. Uh, what about you, Seth? <laughs> All the reservations I completely understand. Uh, I was heartbroken by uh, Naomi and others, and I, I'm a little concerned, Steve, based on the way you just set that up. Will will this potentially get the Pennyworth treatment? Will they'll need to explain that this is Arkham Knights, not the video game in the title, like they did with Pennyworth. This is, you know, Batman's Butler. Um, we'll see if that transpires. But I, <laughs> I I got a kick out of the trailer for all the things that it was supposed to do. You know, make you wonder about what the you know what the sort of motivations are going to be driving the story forward for why these characters are here and what they're doing. And there's a lot of fun elements that I'm hopeful for. The idea of hunting a mystery while also being hunted always makes for great tension, can stretch the story well. But I'm I'm keeping in mind all the things Brad just mentioned. How close do you get attached? Do you really, you know, how, how much can you invest? And Will these characters get enough time to get the traction that they would need to even keep the series going? These these are things to uh, to keep thinking about. I, I'm intrigued also because I know that for those of you who've seen and played the game, there might be like elements you're looking for where you can say, "See, they say it's not that, but there's still connections." I don't know, Damien. That catch anything like uh, that so far as far as the descriptions, or is it really that they're trying to make a big difference between? This is a show and that's a game and they've got similar names, but it's not really the same thing. Have they clarified that for us? I don't think so. And I think with anything in life, if you want adoption, you keep it simple for people to understand. You don't create confusion, right? And I think they're going to create some confusion because they've titled it the exact same thing as the game and it's not really connected to the game. So people are like, what's what's happening here? Um, And for me, as a Batman fan, Batman is embedded in my chest, in my heart, and I have trouble. I have trouble connecting with stories about the death of Batman. 
and what comes after that. So for me, I would love the story to turn in the sense that Bruce Wayne has convinced the world of his death for some very dark, twisted reason, and he comes out of the shadows halfway through the story. Like, that's what I would want to see. I don't want to see a TV series about the death of Batman and the world has moved on. For me, that's really sad. And and yes, he's human, and yes, eventually he's going to have to hand the mantle to someone else, but I can't... I can't connect with something like this. I just, I just can't. Now, I, I will give it a go. Um, the CW brought so much joy to my life with Arrow and with maybe the first four seasons of The Flash. <laughs> um, but um, I, I just, I can't handle a world where Batman has 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 left us. I'm still in the process of playing Gotham Knights, and. For those that have played it and haven't played it, I don't want to say too much. Everyone kind of knows the narrative around Gotham Knights. But I, I, you know, call me silly, but I get drawn into the story. And I found it sad that, that Batman actually got killed in that game. And, and and I'm struggling to connect with the characters a little bit. I love Nightwing. I don't want to digress too much of what we're talking about. But I just – I struggle to, to – connect with the death of Bruce Wayne. So he's this iconic human being and, and I'm not sure why they've done something like this. I don't, I, I'm, I'm scared it's not going to get the traction that they're seeking. Yeah, totally 100% with you. That's the thing. Batman is my jam. Um, a world without Batman is something I it's never want to know about. Yeah, I, I just don't want to know. I mean, he's died in the past he's gone missing and been shot through time and whatever else but we know he's going to come back and uh yeah i don't want to spoil the video game for anybody but uh the tv show worries me for that reason um if it ain't broke don't fix it they they tried something similar in batwoman and rumor has it that batman vanished he wasn't killed so there was always the possibility he could come back but seeing batman's corpse and stuff like that just automatically like you said, I'll still watch it if we get it in the UK because we haven't had half the CW stuff in the UK, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but the fact that it starts off that way automatically just as a Batman fan um, puts me off a little bit. But hey, um, I said I wouldn't in, be interested in a show about Alfred Pennyworth. And even though they retitled it stupidly, I mean – you know, for the people who didn't know that was Alfred Pennyworth, Batman's Butler, now they have to name it. Um, that show's rapidly become one of my favourite TV shows ever. It's brilliant. So I'll give it a chance. And that's all you can do in this world. Give it a chance. And then if you don't like it, like I said, don't complain about it. Don't go online and be a troll. Just stop watching and once again this show has suffered before it's even aired from those negative fans who want to shoot down everything dc i'm not having a part of it even though the premise doesn't uh, set my world on fire i'll give the show a fair chance because that's what it deserves people have put their blood sweat and tears into it give it a chance right uh speaking of giving things chances one of our favorite shows again has won an award. Again, the crazy as a sack full of squirrel poop, Harley Quinn has hit the awards again. I'm so happy. Brad, are you happy? Yes, the show deserves, like the Batman movie, this show deserves 
every reward it gets. It's the funniest, one of the best animated shows out there, and possibly one of the most underrated. I think more people should be talking about it. Um, but it's the writing has been great. The characterizations have been amazing. Where would we be without Harley Quinn's Bane? I mean, that that alone is enough to keep me watching. So I, I think that it, that the show is incredible. And I really do think the voice cast really is also underrated. Kelly Quaco does a great job. Lake Bell does an amazing job as Poison Ivy. And if you've been following Lake Bell, she's been doing a lot of talk about voiceovers and, and the concept of voices. And now I see why, because she's just super talented. It's Poison Ivy. Uh, I mean, this this show cannot go wrong. Three season in, and it's just as good as it was, and that you don't see too often. Uh, so, yeah, any award it gets, it deserves. Seth, what about you? I think when you look at this selection, the only person who would have a disclaimer would be Bane, and he would be like, you know, why? You know, why? It's just his constant cry. Why? I mean, that 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 pathetic just... It's just so sad. Why? Oh, Bane. I mean, each one of those characters, from the just unbelievable um, misogyny of <laughs> our uh, telekinetic, you know, compatriot to, I mean, Frank probably won me over as my favorite houseplant ever to exist. If I ever got a houseplant, it would be named Frank, and I hope he would behave in the same way, because that's how I get rid of nosy people plus apparently he gets the best stuff so you know um he's a great guy to party with um as far as everything else that it did it simply said we know what you know about the dc world and about batman and now we're just gonna and they have so much fun doing it they make it so much fun like you're like flick him again oh yeah it's so good so they deserve to win all of this and brad i really appreciate what you're saying about voice actors you know there's a degree of recognition about how much more acknowledgement they deserve and respect they should be receiving and i I think it shows like this that can elevate that where we can see just how great the mediums are when excellent people excellent writers excellent teams come together and put together a show like this and it's a fun idea to think about a show like harley quinn actually elevating the level of animated discourse through some wonderfully and adorably hilarious crass means that are so successful. Um, it, it, it should hopefully continue and I'm looking forward to spinoffs. I will watch Frank's spinoff show. I will happily watch clay faces spinoff show. I will watch my dog downstairs is rolling around on her back, doing her growlies in excitement over the joy of this. So as you can tell, it's infectious. Damien, are you infected? Yes, honey, we hear you. We hear you. Look, I, I, I like this show. With the episodes that I have watched, um, it's been a bit difficult over here in Australia. Warner Brothers, please fix your distribution rights so in Australia we can actually see all these HBO Max shows. That would be greatly appreciated because then we can talk about them more. Um, but I, I agree with you. It's great to see that um, – Shows like this get the reward and recognition that they deserve. Um, it's, it's, it's a highly entertaining show. I love Harley Quinn as, uh, as a character. Um, so I think it's a good news story. And it's like I, like I said, um, and an extension to what you said, Seth, um, it's great that they've been rewarded for all the hard work and the great storytelling. Um, 
And voice actors, to your point, Seth, are often they don't get talked about and recognised. I don't think as much as as uh, other actors in front of the screen. So um, they do something really, really special, bringing characters to life. Um, so uh, I, I'm really happy about this. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're all big fans here, hence having a, a podcast based around the show. But um, to all your points, um, well, who did we talk about more than just about anything in last week's episode? Kevin Conroy. And I think that the, the greatest Batman of all would be proud of this show. He helped spawn it. It w- wouldn't exist without the Batman animated series. Uh, and it's wonderful. It's irreverent. It's crazy. It's wacky. It's fun. It's dark. It's hilarious. And long may it rain. It's just brilliant. Um, it won the award last time for season two. And to Brad's point, the fact that there was a massive gap between season two and season three and the quality remained. That's all I have to say. Um, bring it on. Keep it coming. Kaylee and the gang. And uh, one character we, we didn't mention, but we have to is <laughs> King Shark. <laughs> oh man every character in this is great and damien i feel for you man we've got a similar thing in the U- in the uk with what shows we get but thankfully we got peacemaker and we got harley quinn the animated series so i'll uh count my blessings with those um where's doom patrol warner brothers come on where's doom patrol give me my doom patrol <sighs> they did however give me sandman and we loved it and Sandman is coming, but don't you dare call it season two. Brad, what do you make of this fascinating turn of events? I think it's very interesting because this leaves it very open to how they can distribute it, how long they can make the episodes. Uh, dropping those two last episodes um, was a nice surprise for fans. It was kind of a huge hit. It got a lot of people talking about it. It kind of broke the Internet. And uh, I think what they could do is, I mean, they could have a whole section of the story as a feature film length. And they could do a couple episodes about a different other storyline. Because that's one of the things about the Sandman is that there are a lot of different storylines going on. And they did. that's one thing I loved about the first season was they were able to really balance that. Um, So I I think that leaving it open and not calling it season two gives them a lot of freedom in how they give us more of the story, how they decide to present it how Neil and the gang decide, well, this needs to be longer, shorter. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. And I'm just really glad we're getting more. So, um, yeah, I, I, whatever they want, I'm here for it because I'm pretty sure that as long as Neil is going to stay involved, it's going to be great. And I want to see more. Uh, Seth, what about you? I, I think one of the smartest things they can do is is follow this thought right now. This idea of why do we have to call it a season two? I'm sorry. Were you not aware of the fact that we're dealing with a character who who's I mean, we're talking about dreams. Are you really going to put a timestamp? Go ahead. I dare you to put a timestamp on your dreams and see how that works out. So why not enjoy the fact that so many, for example, my wife's a big fan of Friends. And I guarantee you, 95% of Friends fans who watch the show regularly can tell you what the episode is by the title, the one with, the one, that, that's how they, they preface it, right? It's, it's almost like part of the identifier. And there are certain shows where all you have to do, um, 
is mention the title. I, I can tell you right now, if someone says, hey, did you ever see the West Wing? Um, how this day has been or what kind of day it has been. I know that episode title just by the recognition of it. It says to me everything I need to remember about the series, what's going on. So I, I feel that also because there's such great things about the Sandman universe that you can capture from that. Why limit yourself to the seasons? Why not also consider the fact that the great books that have come out you know, since the original Sandman came out, you've got these books that take place in these houses that we've already established and all these other places they can go and explore, which might be harder to like spin off the Sandman presents that why not just have these stories appear in the series without the limitations of seasons. And then from there, why not embrace all the ways you can make this a weird sort of dreamlike experience? What if Sandman's uh, almost like a crypt keeper at times, like time for me to tell you a story. And then he shifts over to or some other way of popping up throughout the story or how inventive can you get? We, we saw just how amazing it was to watch the Watchmen as they played with the idea of memory and time with the character transported back and forth and also through these other planes of existence that we saw through the other characters. So uh, I say with Dream, you have a creative landscape. Why, you know put borders on it why not embrace that that's that's my ramble damien what do you think i agree with your ramble seth absolutely i mean we've now we've been we've been so fixated on 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 streaming services now for years there's there's almost a fixed definition to what we kind of expect when a new season is launched you know we're, we're expecting eight or nine episodes or 10 episodes probably a few more they're going to go for 50 minutes each so by not calling it season two, they've obviously got some. I think they've got some unique ideas that we probably haven't seen before for a television series, right? Which, which, which is fantastic. And given the subject matter and what what you what the Sandman can do with dreams and with storytelling, um, there's so many different ways they can take it. And it's intriguing. Within the idea itself is intriguing, separate from us wanting more of the story. So um, I'm I'm I am intrigued, and and I think maybe it's. Maybe it's something they'll do with 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 other DC stories, um, or maybe they'll set a tone. Maybe they're building something original that we just haven't seen before, um, and we need that. We need a little bit more originality, I think. Um, so uh, I'm all for it. I think this is really unique, and it's it's probably perked up quite a few years to go. Oh, it's not a season two. What is it? Ah, you're going to get sucked into a dream. That's what's happening. Um, so love it. Let's do it. Yeah. You've got two of the biggest sand fans in any universe right here on this podcast with Brad and I. And as soon as I read that, I thought, oh, wow, like it. Seth, like you said, you can't limit dreams. You can't limit the endless. It's in the name. They're endless. Stories are what shapes this world, our imaginations and everything we can do. I mean, Seth Singleton, storyteller, that's your tag. That's your handle. Morpheus is the prince of stories. He gathers names to himself the way we clothe ourselves, depending on the seasons. Um, this is something that excites me greatly. The fact that it's not season two, it's more stories long ones short ones the way season one combined uh the sound of her wings and um men of good fortune with the hobgadling story as one episode the way it combined calliope and the dream of a thousand cats two stories as one episode the way they can shape and twist these stories and a movie length midsummer night's dream 
and Shakespeare. Gimme. I want it. And what is the Sandman uh, run of comics called these days? It's the Sandman universe, right? Um, this is, as Brad beautifully states every time, this is literature with a capital L. This is one of the greatest stories told in fiction, period. Don't call it a comic book. Don't call it a graphic novel. Call it art. Call it literature because that's what it is. And if they plan on doing what Neil Gaiman did with comics to this TV series, sold. I'm all in. Um, it's the greatest epic ever published and the more people get into it, the better. The fact that the new graphic novels, Volume 1's already on second print and people are buying them and can't get enough of them, it's getting people reading comics. My life is complete. My life is complete. And on that almost planned segue, let's talk comics. Beginning with mm, 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 new books, The Return of Green Arrow. More Batman. So many characters. Brad, are you smiling? I, I am. I am. I One thing I've always liked about DC is how unafraid they are to kind of hit the reset button and start again. And they do it in really inventive ways. I, I sometimes wish they wouldn't do it so often. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for this. I really like that Doom Patrol is going to be one of the leadoff series. I think that's a, a great idea. Um, and the creative team seem really interesting. I think this, there's going to be some interesting stuff going on with Superman with kind of Lex Luthor pulling things kind of behind the scenes. Uh, I think that could be uh, an interesting story. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to this. I think, um, I think we're in store for some cool directions in the DC and it's, it is going to feel kind of fresh and renewed. And I think that's, that's always a good thing. Uh, Seth, what about you? I'm really excited for, well, mostly I love the idea of these characters, the way they're arriving, the way they've been introduced. But also, as you mentioned, probably the biggest thing is going to be the creative teams for me right now. There's some excitement for me about who's been slowly and others not so slowly whatsoever uh, rising on the scene. I feel like Joshua Williamson has been showing up for like 15 years now or something crazy. Like you just kind of keep looking back at like how much he's done and, and how much he's been involved with recently. I mean, that the amount of stories he's working on on like a daily basis, it's, it's gotta be pretty intense. Um, so the idea of, of seeing, you know, that teaser that they recently had for green arrow, that beautiful cover shot, which was, um, a, a lovely, just sort of like, Ooh, look at everybody who we get to see. Followed by the uh, the mention of the the Superboy story, but man, I'll tell you the one that's really got me excited right now is the Green Lantern, the John Stewart with Philip Kennedy Johnson. I bought every issue of that Last God series. If you had a chance to pick it up, you know that in the back of it, he was writing these like short novella length texts that were taken from this beautiful. It captured all of the best elements of fantasy. And then I see this guy turn around with the Man of Steel and with Action Comics, take Superman off world, turn him into this <laughs> resistance fighter you know, <laughs> to a degree with the same sort of like cinematic uh scope and epic quality to it so seeing him take on a character like john stewart and and see how far we can go examples like that um recently i just i was glancing to a reminder that the the tom king story that's going to be coming out soon the doom patrol example you mentioned there's a lot of great characters with some amazing talent behind them it feels like 
kind of feels like when you get to pick and you're like, hey, wouldn't it be great if I had this team and I could pick all my favorites and put them on it? And it feels like that's what they got to do as far as these matchups. Let's just have some fun picking all of our favorites. Mariko Tamaki, anytime she picks something up, I'm right there. I'm I'm chuckling. I know it's going to be great. So, yeah, with these characters and the creators behind them, it's hard not to get excited. Damien? You know, I'm passing off the uh, <laughs> the infectious incitement. Enjoy. Hope it doesn't keep you up late. This kind of reminds me of um, when Rebirth hit shelves. So they rebooted all the characters, and and I wanted to read everything, but I just I, I just couldn't. I didn't have the time to read everything, so I strategically picked what I was going to align myself to. So I obviously picked Batman. I picked Green Arrow, and I picked Justice League. And and at some point in all those stories, they all kind of interconnected. And I had so much fun reading Rebirth, and I had continuity. And again, I'll say it again, I love continuity. So, um, yes, DC isn't afraid to hit the reset button. I, it doesn't feel like that long ago that we got Rebirth and we started everything again. And w- what I really appreciated about that was DC kind of took us back to the core of these iconic characters. And... We saw them for what they were, and they built on top of that over a period of time, and I really, really appreciated that. Um, and that's what draws me in. Um, so when I think of Dawn of DC, I think the team behind it is a phenomenal team, and I can't, I, I can't wait to get involved and, again, pick what I want to read and what I want to align myself to. Um, what I will say about this is when you're, when you're rebooting a universe with iconic characters make sure you make sure you highlight why they're special and 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 what it is why we why we love them and what i mean by that is don't change them don't alter them and and i feel like dc has recently done this done this with some characters and it might be a little bit controversial what i'm saying here but DC has altered some of its prime products to try and make them appeal to, to, to newer generation. What I loved about Rebirth was DC took the characters back to their core and, and we were, and we saw what was great about, about Batman, about Green Lantern. And, and I really appreciated that because they're core iconic characters. We know who they are. We know what, um, um, why they're special and, and we build a connection with characters off the back of that. And, and Dawn of DC kind of takes me back to, you know, the memories that I had picking up those books in Rebirth. What I hope they don't do with Dawn of DC is is alter iconic characters and make them different to appeal to younger audiences. I, I don't believe they should be doing that, and I'm just a little bit worried that that is something that – because they have done this recently with other characters um, over the last probably two or three years, and it kind of put me off certain certain stories. So uh, can we explore different avenues with these characters? Absolutely we can, but don't change the fundament, don't fundamentally change what the characters represent. So I think they've got a great team behind the books um, or behind what they're going to release. So uh, I'm really excited. And, and, and I think, um, I think what you guys said before, I think you said before, Brad around, you know, they're not scared to push the reset button. Um, and I think there's an air of confidence with the with the content and the books that they've created, um, and 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 that's great. But um, I'm looking forward to picking up Green um, Green Arrow again. Obviously, picking up Batman, um, and I might give another character a go. Maybe Green Lantern because I haven't I haven't traditionally stuck to the Green Lantern books. But um, I'm really excited. I think this is um, I think this is great. 
Absolutely. I mean, yeah, DC have had a, a funny habit of resetting a bit too frequently for my taste as well. But what I've liked about Rebirth and about the uh, the new wave of books coming is they seem to have embraced more of what happened before. And they've almost put the universe back to where it was uh, pre-Crisis on Infinite Earths, but in a way that's easier to grasp hold of and understand. The way that this uh, new Dark Crisis has reset the universe, but it's still, in many ways, the Metaverse Omniverse that was created by Death Metal, whereas all these stories happen, they're all important, and fans can pick and choose which continuity, which version of the characters like the best. I think that's the best way forward. That way, no one can be disappointed. And the biggest reset that disappointed me and I didn't like was New 52, mainly with what they did with Superman, because even though Grant Morrison wrote some great stories, the fact that this Superman ended up dying again and being replaced by the Superman that came before him, um, it confused a hell of a lot of people. That's what we don't want. This new wave seems to be the writers like Josh Williamson, like you said, Seth, who gets the DC Universe, who loves the DC Universe and wants these characters to thrive and for people to understand them. And, well, lo and behold, when uh, New 52 started, Mark Wade and Grant Morrison were gone and Dan DiDio is in. Dan DiDio is gone. Mark Wade is back. Mark um, oh, blimey. How could I forget? Uh, Kingdom Come Wade, one of the greatest writers in the history of comics. Um, Neil Gaiman and Alan Moore aren't writing superhero comics anymore, but Mark Wade is back. He's killed it with World's Finest. He's killed it with Batman versus Robin. He's currently killing it with Lazarus Planet, and he's going to be writing Shazam with Dan Mora on art. Add that writer to the list, and I think the new wave of DC Comics could arguably be, and in theory be, the best wave ever. So, yeah, sign me up. I want to read them, and comics is my main love. So if the comics are still good, everything else will fall into place. Now, on a slightly different note, um, I love comics, but I've never really been that into manga. But... Um, the Joker manga finale sounds crazy, especially after the last issue ended with a pregnant Joker. What's going on here? Um, shades of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito or something far more sinister? Brad, your thoughts? Uh, if the Flash is going to be bonkers, this is even beyond bonkers. And I, I think that that manga is a good avenue to do that because a lot of those stories are crazy and completely over the top. And the idea of Joker having a baby and it's Bruce Wayne, that's it's insane, but that works. You say that in an anime or a manga and you say, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And this goes back to what I've been saying too, is that DC is doing really interesting things with the characters and using different medium and avenues to do that, whether it's manga, those adult books, black label, middle grade, you know, and, and this is just another example of that. Um, why not explore these, these avenues with all these crazy things you can do with these characters. And again, I'm going to say you can't have enough Batman. Uh, Batman has proven to be the absolute most popular superhero character. No matter what happens, DC will always have Batman and can bank on Batman. And um, anyway, but, you know, that, that I digress a little bit there, but 
I I think this is a crazy over the top story that could be a lot of fun and like something that we've definitely never seen. Seth, what about you? I can happily say that I saw Ninja Batman and or Batman Ninja and I absolutely loved it. If if this was the kind of show where I unleashed my Harley Quinn podcast uh, language, I would go into greater, somewhat colorful description. But the complete absurdity and insanity that that movie embraced for me, it perfectly translates into <clears throat> Mud Baby, which I'm sorry, I don't know how you cannot say that every time you open your mouth. Or should you be at a dinner conversation recently or in the near future, say perhaps you were at a fine dining establishment recently. How could you not say Mud Baby if it's the most – so with that, um, I, I love – the absurdity. I love the chaos of like, okay, I'm going to have a mud baby and I'm going to raise this Bruce Wayne and try and get him into the life of crime. It, it's, you know, to a degree what the end result will most likely be, but it's fun watching the characters try. And, and I feel that as you pointed out in a medium like this, it's a perfect place to do it. Why not have a little bit of fun? I want to see if we get a little bit weird with like, you know, the mud baby doing some other fun stuff so we can refer to the grown up mud baby that became. And with that, I'm uh, I'm happy for anything that continues to, again, like we were talking about with the Supernatural. You can go ahead and you can get really quibbly about Batman and Supernatural, or you can have a great time with a great story because it's fun. And you know that. And you don't have to get into the deeper issues about it. I'd say the same thing with uh, Batman and Manga and the current direction of the story. Brace the insurgency. If you're laughing at the end of it, congratulations. You've been entertained. The artist achieved its job. You're welcome. Damien? I really enjoyed the the intersection of anime and and DC. I loved Batman Ninja. I thought it was I thought it was great. I thought we got a, a version of Batman and all those iconic characters that we hadn't seen before. Was it a little bit crazy, a little bit quirky? Yeah, it was. But um, I loved Joker building his massive robot and then Batman in his Batmobile kind of riding up Joker's arm. Like that was just that was hilarious. Um, and we still got a we still got a dark and 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 groomy Bruce Wayne that was upset and, and, and all, and all that and everything that comes with that. So I quite enjoyed that. Am I going to enjoy this Joker kind of growing up a small Bruce Wayne and trying to get him into a life of crime? I'm sorry, but I just, I'd love, I love the, 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 the title of Batman solves crimes. That's what he does. Um, he's not going to, he's not going to, um, uh, get involved in a life of crime. So for me, I'm sorry, I'm just not I'm not excited about what what they're doing here. Um, another anime story, great because I'm a, I'm a fan of anime. I think it's fine. The intersection again with the DC with with D- DC products, I think is great because it's 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 creative. But the actual story, I don't know why they did this, and I'm sorry, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna back out of this one. That's the beauty <laughs> of stories. Uh, it can go any way you like. And again, I, I go back to what I said earlier, that the brilliant thing is that you've got the choice. You've got so many different types of stories that you can read, watch, enjoy. And if you don't enjoy them, pick up the one you do like. And like I said, that choice is wonderful. When I grew up, we had the Hulk TV show. Now look what we've got how many comics we've got, how many age ranges. Dude, we are living in a golden age of TV, a golden age of comics, and now there's almost too much superhero stuff out there, but 
I'd rather that than the, than the alternative. I'd rather that than having to search through and read whatever you can find and that be a mediocre something. Too much choice is a plus. Embrace it and be thankful. That's all I can say on that matter. Um, give me the stories. And if I don't like them, give me the stories I do like and I'll keep reading those. Now, one thing I do like very much is the art of a Senor Joe Quesada, who um, went from comics artist to publisher to head honcho at Marvel, and now he's back at DC drawing Batman covers. And my, they're pretty. Brad, what'd you make of this story? That's a great image. I kind of want it on a T-shirt. Um, it's great. And I, and Joe Quesada has been so associated to Marvel for so long. It's great to have him back. So many people forget that he got to start with DC, with uh, Azrael. So it's, it's, it's great to have him back. Uh, it, it, he's had a, an amazing career that's been fun to follow. And it's just fun to continue him going and exploring these different paths. I say welcome back to DC. Uh, the image, the article i think it said iconic image and that's exactly what this is um it's been a while since i've seen batman holding the cowl over his face uh i just yeah i, I think this is a great image i want it on a t-shirt and uh welcome back what about you Seth? Uh, i can see it on a t-shirt i can see it um painting my wall in my bedroom black and, and hiring joe casada to come and, and paint that on there i have no idea what would be required of that except maybe a second mortgage on my house However, with all of that in mind, it is completely it's it's gorgeous. It's one of those ones where at some point you're finding yourself like, could I have a wall where I could put up all of these beautiful, iconic moments like that? And just kind of have like the Joe Quesada corner over here, and, you know, just sort of have a little bit of fun with that. Or, you know, can it can it give me a little taste of that, like back to the future to where you can change your video screen on your wall and it can just be your iconic covers. And anytime a new one pops up, you're like, yeah. Can we just load the new Joe Quesada? Perfect. I like it. Oh, nighttime. That's going to look hot. You know what I mean? Like, eh, put it everywhere. T-shirts, socks, tennis shoes. Eh, I can definitely see a lot of fun places. It's a it's a gorgeous cover. I'm glad he's back. Yeah, let's have some fun. <laughs> Damien, what do you think? Um, I'm so back. He's, I, I'm, I'm so glad he's back at DC. I, I, I look at this artwork. This is what personifies Batman to, to, for me. He, he's 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 crouching on a rooftop. We we get we get some we get a little bit of light. We can see his iconic yellow utility belt. He's got that stern look in his eyes, and he's ready to kind of look, he's ready to launch off off the top of a rooftop. And to me, that's Batman. Everything that personifies Batman is what we've got here in this variant cover. Um, so I'm super excited. I love his work. Um, and and I don't have. I've got a great man cave here with all my Batman merchandise. I don't have an, any more room on my walls for like for anything like this, but I would love to have a, a huge print of something like this up on the wall. Um, so I'm I'm with you there, uh, Seth. I think this is this is great. Um, Batman half hidden in the shadows. We don't know what he's going to do next. Um, You've got his cape flying in the background there. He's so he's caught a gasp of wind before he goes and launches on some gang or he's going to go solve crime. And we love that about Batman. So um, I love this artwork. It's amazing. It's vintage Batman. It's Batman in every way that anyone would expect. If you think 
hey guys, how do you see Batman? This image encapsulates that perfectly. And like you said, he's back at DC. He's drawing his heart out, and it's a beautiful thing to behold. I mean, yes, like you said, Brad, he started at DC. He co-created Azrael with the late, great Denny O'Neill. Um, one of my favourite miniseries ever. Yes, what happened with Aswell after that was a little bit more controversial, but it was on purpose, people. People were asking for a Batman that kills. DC gave you a Batman that kills, and guess what? Everyone hated him. Dude, they were just giving you what you wanted, and then he had his whole redemption arc, a hundred issues of his own title, and most recently, a seven-issue run, um, by Dan Waters, which was just great. One of the best miniseries in the last few years. And that's thanks to Mr. Joker Sada for co-creating the character in the first place. So, Mr. Q, we salute you. Thank you, sir. Now, I have to salute somebody else right now. A lady named Nicole Maines, who initially came in as an actress on Supergirl with a character she's co-created called Dreamer, a uh, ancestor of Dream Girl from the Future Legion of Superheroes. And now she is writing this character. She's co-written with And now this character is back in a huge way in the brilliant Lazarus Planet event. Nicole Maines, um, wow, we love you. Brad, what do you make of this lady and her rise to stardom and the character she's helped put on the map? I am behind on a lot of CW shows, but I have watched all of Supergirl. And she was one of the best things about the final few seasons. She brought so much heart and so much passion to the character. If anybody was going to write the character, it should be her because she has so much impact and imprint on that character now. So I love the fact that she's writing it, that she still loves the character enough that she wants to continue it. And I think the character deserves a place in the DC universe. So welcome aboard. It's much deserved. So yeah, this is just a a great story all the way around. Uh, More please. Seth, what do you think? I'm a big fan of the continuation of her effort, starting out with uh, DC pride, you know, anthology, the first one, she's been instrumental in both anthologies now and really it's one thing to bring a character and say, I have this character and I'd like to see what it can do. And then the medium that it's on Supergirl, the TV show coming to a close and saying, Hey, that was a great run. Let's, you know, let's be thankful for what we had instead. She's been pushing forward, you know, clearly making great inroads with the pride examples I mentioned, and now taking the character further, being a co-writer on this new storyline. And it's hard not to get excited about the uh, assault on Krypton. Number one, they're, they're setting up a lot of great things that DC can build off for quite some time with a number of different characters. The fact that dreamer is going to stick around, play a very significant role. And, and I feel like there's some untapped potential that they're exploring with this. They're, they're clearly setting something up for later on down the road and the foreshadowing it's going to be subtle now, but at some point it's going to be like, that's where they were going with this. Because I feel like making her a significant character, someone who can who can fit into um, this interesting nexus that we have with the, uh, the mystical that we've enjoyed with uh, Justice League Dark. And also the fact that we've been touching more and more with the future with Legion. I feel like with a character like Dreamer, you can access a lot of that through the beauty of dreams. And we were talking about that before. How is time relevant? How is magic relevant 
in dreams, what if all things are connected? So I feel like they can really go a lot of places with her. And as long as you have a creator like Mains who's willing to say, yeah, I'm in this for the long haul, and I believe she is, this character will have longevity because of that, uh, I really enjoy the possibilities we can explore with her. I think we could really see in a year or so Dreamer standing in a very interesting place and the rest of us going, aha, that's what they were setting us up for. So I'm intrigued by the potential behind it. I like the success of the character Enjoyed so much of what was offered in Supergirl. Can't wait to see how she continues in the books. Damien, your thoughts, my friend? I feel like it's an extension of what I was talking about before when um, we, where you, you either alter existing characters or iconic characters to appeal to, 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 to new generations of, of, of supporters or fans versus doing what we're doing here with this character, right? And, and, and we're, we're building out and we're extending on a, a character that is lesser known to the wider DC audience, but has got some grounding now and has got some acceleration. And I'm, I'm all for it. So this is something, this is a prime example of, extending on a character that's got so much potential for new audiences and also existing audiences like us, like us as well. So um, I'll keep investing and give it and, and, and give it more time from my side for sure. It's wonderful. Nicole's just done what we, we all dream to do. She's played a character that she's clearly so passionate about that she wants this character to live and breathe beyond the screen. And once you're a comic book character, hey, you're immortal. Um, these characters look at Batman and Superman over 80 years, still going strong, still kicking ass and taking no prisoners, still fueling our imaginations. And with millions of fans all over the world, Dreamer is one of these new characters who I believe does have the legs to, to keep growing and to, to keep moving forward, especially with that kind of passion behind it. It's just a beautiful thing to see. And like you were saying, Seth, and I think, Brad, you alluded to it a little bit as well. This is a character called Dreamer. You can't put a border on your dreams. And if she is growing like she is and discovering new powers, but still not knowing how and where they came from, could there be a tie-in with certain endless factions of the DC universe in the future? Um, is her dad's name Daniel, perchance? Who knows? Um, the possibilities are <clears throat> endless. And let's just uh, move forward because the thing about DC is there's so much to talk about. We've talked movies. We've talked TV. We've talked comics. And in other news, now we're going to talk about <sighs> it's sad. But Mark Hamill says he doubts he'll ever voice the Joker again. But this time, hey, the reasons are valid. And uh, I support your loyalty. I support your friendship. And I'll support you, Mark Hamill, for all time. Brad, what do you make of this story? It just goes to show the impact that Kevin Conroy has made on the character and on the world at large. Um, you say you don't blame, I certainly don't blame him for not wanting to return to the Joker. And really, Mark Hamill is uh, as, is iconic as the Joker. Not maybe as iconic as Kevin Conroy's Batman, but he's up there because he also, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he did the voice in uh, at least the first Arkham game of the Joker. Um, so he's he's up there too. So for having him say that, that's that's a huge 
impactful statement. And, you know, I never say never, uh, you know, because you never know what's going to come down as far as the rules, what stories we haven't even seen yet, let alone what stories they can still use for these animated films. So um, I, I, I stand by and support his decision. I, like you said, Steve, I think it was for valid uh, valid reasons, and it just goes to show what a loss losing Kevin Conroy has been. Uh, Seth, what about you? I was not surprised when I saw the headline. I mean, it, it made all the sense in the world. I think if you had the kind of relationship they've had for the number of years, I mean, when you can measure a friendship over decades, for a working professional relationship over decades, it's it's a it's a rare thing. So I don't know how you at some point in your life go, okay, I, I can, you know, recreate that with somebody new. Not only that, but you know, I believe once you've made such a substantial impact on a character, once you reach the point, you look, as we were talking about before, no one likes the idea of our favorite characters passing in any way. But we also know there's a difference between passing and passing the torch. And I, I feel like there is a, you know, there's a possibility that Mark Hamill's just saying, hey, look, you know what? It's time for the next voice. It's time for someone else to step in and provide uh, the new iconic capturing of Joker. We were really lucky during the Harley Quinn series. Um, Alan Tudyk, I believe, was doing the voice, as I recall, and I thought did a masterful job, brought a, brought a lot of fun and zaniness to it. Um, could he have a future continuing to do so? Maybe. Um, but the reasons behind why Mark Hamill did is probably what's going to stick with me the most. It's simply that he he knows, you know, what he had and he's not trying to recreate it again. And, yeah, I can completely respect that. I, I think, as you pointed out, there always could be a maybe. And in my brain, when you were saying that, I was like, wouldn't it be great if they had some clip of uh, Kevin Conroy's voice? as Batman from one of the previous episodes, but a different exchange with the Joker and he got to voice that. And maybe that could be something down the road, but I would say that he's made his statement and now we can consider how great we had with him and who we can look forward to next, because that's the best thing, right? We're always building a foundation for the future to build off of. So Damien, your thoughts, my friend. Man, I get really sad when we when we talk about Kevin Conroy. Um, but for me, I think it's almost like life is imitating art in one sense. Like I, I totally understand why Mark Hamill won't do this anymore. And if you look in the if you look in the comic books, fundamentally the relationship with the Joker and Batman they need one another. You know, for so many reasons, like one can't exist without the other. And that's why I said kind of life is imitating art. I just I personally feel like maybe Mark Hamill feels like his Joker doesn't exist without Kevin Conroy. So he can't stand in a recording room with all due respect to another great voice actor coming in and, and bringing Batman to life. He just can't do it with someone else because they had such a special relationship. They had a friendship for so many decades, but they also created a connection between two characters like what we see in the books with Joker and Batman needing each other. And I think there's a bit of romance to that as as well. Is it sad that we might not get Mark Hamill as Joker anymore? Absolutely it is. Um, but a part of him is probably lost with Kevin gone as Batman, so he probably can't bring himself to, to, to do it. And if that is the case, then 
I totally understand and respect that. You never say never. It'd be amazing if he came back and did something again, but um, man, it's so sad. But um, yeah, this is what we do. We lay a foundation to the point that you've made, right? That where they can have other actors come in and kind of create a new, bring these characters to life in a in a new and different way. But um, I loved Mark Hamill's Joker. It was so playful. It was so. Uh, rustic, if that's the right word, it was it, it was great. So I'll keep I'll keep watching all the animated films that I've brought and 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 be filled with great, amazing memories. So yeah, I mean it's a horrible piece of news to report, but it's for the right reason, and this just proves something I've known since. I've been watching Mark Hamill and that's like four fifths of my life is the dude's a class act. He is just a class act. He's lost his friend. Joker's lost its Batman. Oh God, I'm getting emotional. Uh, Gotham city's lost its voice. And while I'm heartbroken that I will only hear Kevin Conroy's Batman one more time when the new video game drops, um, now knowing that I may never hear Mark Hamill's Joker again, it's it's hard, but I cannot argue with the reasons why. So, I mean, Kevin Conroy will always be my Batman. I mean, Mark Hamill was born to play the Joker. It's in his name. Write down the words Mark Hamill. Lose the space between the Mark and the Hamill. Then lose the M from Mark and the ill from Hamill. And the word you have left over is Arkham. I rest my case. Oh, boy. That was fantastic. <sighs> and it's also a fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that was you? fantastic. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to lift myself back up because I'm getting emotional again. Let's um, ring in the new. We just said that Mark Hamill may not be the Joker anymore, but we've got a brand new Joker, a brand new Harley and a brand new Batman in the latest scripted podcast coming to our airwaves and to join the likes of Batman Unburied and Batman The Audio Adventures with a stellar cast who I cannot wait to hear more from. I'll be listening. Brad, will you be listening to Harley Quinn and the Joker? Yes, I will. Uh, I, I think that Christina Ricci is a incredible choice to voice Harley Quinn. I think she's going to do an incredible job. So really, I just had to read as far as her name. I thought, okay, I'm there. Uh, I just can't wait to see what she's going to do. Uh, yeah, the, and everything else is just the cherry on top. Um, I'm I'm excited about this, and I think they've. I think Unburied was really good. I think that. Uh, Spotify has a, uh, a also is starting a good track record uh, with their scripted podcast. So yeah, I'm I'm here for it. Seth, what about you? Christina Ricci sold me right there. I mean, she's <laughs> she's she's just been so iconic in everything that she's taken on. And when I think of her name, I hear her voice, and then I imagine her as a young Dr. Harleen, and it fits so perfectly. It sounds like. Just a great deal of fun, and I feel like there's going to be some joy with that moment of her recording notes to herself and things like that, where you just get to hear her voice capturing the character, bringing it to life, and what we've seen so far. I mean, now, 
I think I'm going to enjoy the fact of comparing her, Kaylee Cuoco, and so many others who've brought Harley to life like this. It, it sounds like a really fun podcast adventure. Damien, what do you think? I'm a massive fan of podcasts. I've got into them a lot ever since COVID hit, and I think you know it's a it's another medium where you can tell a great story. I'm really intrigued. I think she's a great casting. Um, I, I love Harley Quinn. Um, and, and taking us back prior to you know uh, when she, when she's working at Arkham there. So I, I'm definitely in. I can't wait to to, to get stuck into it. Um, and I just it's a different adventure, right? It's different from reading a comic book. Um, you can create your own world and you can create your own visuals along with um, what looks to be a great story and great casting. So I, I'm a huge fan. I can't can't wait. It's amazing that um, we've had so many Batman, so many Spider-Man, so many Superman, and they love them, hate them. Um, very few have been universally loved by everybody, but name me one bad Harley Quinn voice actress. And I will say, nope, from Arlene Sorkin, who created it, to uh, Tara Strong, to Kaylee Kuoko, and now Christina Ricci, who is an actress's actress. This is a woman who can be five different characters at once. Her Wednesday Adam to me is still the iconic Wednesday Adams. Um, I don't know if you guys watch Yellow Jackets. Her character in that is both adorable and terrifying in one breath. Um, I am there. Batman Unburied was awesome. Batman the Audio Adventures is cray cray, but in the best way possible. So yeah, I'm there. Um, Justin Hartley has been promoted from being Green Arrow on Smallville to being Batman Dude, sold. I'm there. Um, I will be listening. Spotify, you can keep having my subscription until the end of time. So that's it. That's another episode of the DC Comics News Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we've loved talking to you all. So let's sign off by telling the whole universe and the multiverse where they can hear all your wonderful voices, see all your wonderful faces and read all your works. Brad, where can the universe find you, sir? You can find me on DC Comics News, uh, writing news and reviews. Find me on this uh, podcast. And uh, once we get back to it, the Mad Love podcast, uh, part of the DC Comics News Podcast Network. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. Seth, where can people find you? Go to... Twitter. Type in one more singleton. There's a link tree. Come say hey. There's a couple of fun places from there where you can find me and hopefully soon more to follow. Damien, how about yourself, my friend? DC fans can find me on dccomicsnews.com. Um, I'm recently writing more more news now, um, which is which is great. You can also find me on Twitter. So it's Damien with an A underscore Fashani. It's a good old Italian surname. F-A-S-C-I-A-N-I. As for myself, go to Google your search engine of choice and type in the words Steve, J, Ray, or Fantastic University to take you across my news, reviews, interviews, and features across DC Comics News, Dark Knight News, and Fantastic Universes. And you can also hear my voice on this very podcast and on others. Uh, I Am The Night will be returning to end season two and to start season three in the very, very near future. And you can also talk to me on Twitter. Please do, because I like talking to all my fellow nerdizzles at lstevo, E-L underscore S-T-E. 
E-E-V-O. But until you do so, we need to get you to read more comics. comics. <laughs> we'll see you soon. <laughs>